say good morning to all of you, and you may remember that that text that they were singing comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I think somewhere around verse 14, 15, 16, 16, I think, maybe 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and it, it is the Lord's purpose to bring his people into an unimaginable freedom. And it's that that we're going to be talking about this morning. But before I actually begin, um, I want to share a little video clip uh, with you. And many of you will know uh, Brenda Brown. And uh, at the second service last week, the Lord um, encouraged me in a very real and powerful way uh, to have the women of any of our elders, that is, the wives or spouses of any of our elders and any of our deacons to stand who have ever been, and then all of those who were female in our midst to stand. And um, I felt moved by the Lord to ask their forgiveness as a representation of the larger church for uh, inadvertently... um, um, dissing them uh, inadvertently I can't think of the, the word there was uh, but inadvertently overlooking inadvertently seeing uh, women as well sort of second rate and uh, I asked their forgiveness and they uh, forgave me and I had all of the women stand and then we prayed uh, for them and what resulted was um, a number of people responded back to me via email and uh, they shared their experiences etc and one was Brenda Brown and asked if she would be so willing to put that um, on a little video so she wouldn't have to be at both services uh, to share that testimony so um, if you could um, kind of draw the lights down a little bit and go ahead and run that video then we'll talk about it as it relates to the scriptures um, for this morning.
Well, so I could just start crying again and blubber in front of you, but I hope not to do that. Um, but we never know how um, things impact us sometimes because we're, we're far removed from the source of it, and we think, you know, things are as good as they can be. And um, the Lord spoke to my heart from Joel, and then it was quoted in Acts chapter 2, uh, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And you're on your manservants and on your maidservants, I will pour out my spirit. And it was at that point where I really felt the Lord say, you know, the church has not valued women. I know there are some texts in the Pauline writing, and this is not my intention to share this, that... You know, we sort of uh, make rules based upon these texts, but God wants to value every person. Every person in the kingdom of God is valued. Whether you're white or whether you're black, whether you're old or whether you're young, whether you're male or whether you're female, whether you're slave or whether you're free, etc., etc., God sees you as a valued son and as a valued daughter. Uh, so, um, I just, I just want to share that because Brenda just, it was shocking because when we, when we do something in faith, we're never sure, uh, and that's the nature of ministry, by the way. Uh, we, we speak by faith, we act by faith, we walk by faith, the just um, um, the, 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 are made righteous by faith. It's this thing called faith, which in fact causes a risk. Uh, to take. So um, I just want to, we'll, we're going to pray toward the end, but let me share a couple of just some scriptures with you. And I'd like you to turn um, initially, if you would, to uh, Psalm 37. And I want to begin there, and I'm going to look at a number of scriptures with us uh, kind of uh, briefly this morning. Um, Psalm 37 is really where I want to begin, and it uh, says this. Um, now, what I want to talk about is, is either we react to the past um, or we get freed uh, from it to respond to God. And that's true for men, and it's also true for women. We, are, we react to the past without sometimes knowing it or we're responding to God in His vision. Psalm 37 verse 1 says, Do not fret. We could pause there, couldn't we? <laughs> Sounds like Jesus said, Be anxious for nothing. Psalm 37, verse 1 says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut off, cut down like grass, and wither as the green herb. And verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. And dwell in the land, that is your inheritance, and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourselves also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And commit your ways to the Lord, and Trust also uh, in Him. Now, <clears throat> it's, this, it's this notion of, of not fretting and uh, dwelling in our inheritance and uh, um, delighting ourselves in the Lord, uh, which causes us to receive the desires of our heart. Now, the way we um, get free in our life is to um, uh, dwell on Him and His faithfulness. 
there is a way in which the people of God must learn to meditate upon who He is. Uh, and I know that many of you do this. You, you are the saints in, in this time of life where you have walked with Jesus for many ages, uh, for many years, um, many ages. Uh, but there's a whole plethora of people out there in another generation that don't know how to do that. And unless you connect with them and, and risk connecting with them, they're not going to learn uh, how to do that which will set them free. Delighting in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, desire, there's a kind of an interesting way to remember what uh, desire means. Um, and it's sort of a pun and a turn on the word desire, but D means of, uh, and sire means father. Uh, in, in other words, of your father. And when we delight ourselves in God, when we, in, in, instead of holding on to our past, um, God becomes the father or the sire of our dreams. He becomes the sire um, of that which is, is His purposes in our life. We become the person God has called us to, therefore, as we meditate upon the things of God and dream His dreams. Now, let me ask you a question, sort of as we transition to look at some other text. Um, what do you spend your time thinking about? That's a rhetorical question, of course. We wouldn't have time to answer it. Um, what do you spend your time thinking about? That is what you're becoming. Even those sort of those subconscious areas that you might say, well, I'm not dwelling on any of that. Bondages are such, issues in our life of captivity are such that they will hold us until God sets us free. Now, transitioning to um, Isaiah, we looked at this uh, uh, for the last couple of weeks. Isaiah 61 said this, uh, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison uh, to those who were bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. Now, Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus came into um, Galilee, he's in his hometown, as you know, he went to the synagogue, which was his custom, and I'm now referencing Luke chapter 4. Um, Jesus went into the synagogue, and I'm looking uh, specifically at verse 16 of Luke chapter 4. Uh, he was, and when he went into the synagogue, the, the Isaiah scroll that we just read was brought to him. Not a, a, a Bible, but a scroll where the Isaiah scroll was actually written by hand. Um, and uh, it was handed to Jesus, and he turned to, scrolled through, to the 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, verse 18, Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, this is the phrase that isn't contained in, in, in uh, Isaiah 61, um, and the recovery of sight to the blind. And then he goes on to set at liberty those who are prisoners or oppressed 
and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. And then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and all of the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, what that suggests to me is that uh, Jesus interpreted his entire life and his entire ministry and his entire mission around this verse. The French have a phrase, some of you may know it, raison d'etre. The reason for being. Jesus' reason for being and for coming into the earth was centered around uh, his coming to do something and his, all of his redemptive work, all of his miracles, all that we saw in Jesus and his ministry by means of the cross then uh, was identified in this scripture that he had come uh, to preach good news. Now the good news is that God has set us free. The question is, where are we still in, where are we still bound as Brenda so, so amazingly and vulnerably shared? She didn't know she was bound in an area until the Spirit of the Lord somehow engaged her heart and she, she saw something that she hadn't seen before and God said, I'm going to heal the brokenhearted, I'm going to begin to set you free. Now, it is that notion then that Jesus interpreted his entire life and ministry and mission through this verse um, of his reason for being and his reason for coming was to declare good news. Good news to whom? Good news to everyone. And secondly, to heal those whose hearts are broken. And thirdly, to liberate those who are captives and fourthly, to set prisoners free. And fifthly, to declare God is now, through my son Jesus, implementing um, a time of jubilee where all of God's sons and daughters are now set free. Now that's the background for what I want to share as we move toward our conclusion here. Um, and yet, as you and I as believers, we, we, we know Jesus... We have experienced um, a measure of his freedom, uh, and yet we find ourselves sometimes in a great deal of pain. Anybody know that besides me? Are you all awake? Yeah, thanks. Pain is a real deal. Now, we're going to talk about that for just a moment, because wherever there is pain... Now, now I'm not talking about where there's the loss of a loved one and there's grief. You know, I'm not talking about where you... Uh, where you fall and break a leg or skin a shin or a knee. I'm, I'm talking about the internal pain that we sort of push aside most of the time. Uh, wh wherever there is pain or hurt in our life or uh, the surfacing of what we might just call brokenness um, in our lives, we begin to view when that is there. Now think of a place, some of you are already doing this, where there's pain, interpersonal pain, circumstantial hurt, uh, woundings that have happened. And uh, as, as we begin to see those things, the, the, the fact is, is that we begin to view the world through that clouded vision of our pain and our hurt and our brokenness. Um, in other words, the darkness or the hurt, the pain and the brokenness in our soul causes us to reinterpret life. 
uh, we reinterpret it uh, by creating a perverted reality. Um, a reality that is um, different than what God intended. It's kind of an al- alternate reality but whereby you and I see life through, well, I wish these were sunglasses, they're not, uh, where we see life colored by our pain, where we see life uh, colored by our brokenness or those issues in our life, and this alternative reality is actually a, is related to um, a perverted view of God. Last week we talked about we, we, are, we, we are beholding ourselves as in a mirror. And when we, we, we can't see uh, God accurately unless we see ourselves accurately. We can't see ourselves accurately unless we see God accurately. And where there is residual, that means undealt with, um, unseen... Uh, Um, unredeemed places of hurt and woundings in our life that begins to color our view of who God is, who we are as His people, and His mission even in the world. Now, very quickly, I want to look at a couple of New Testament texts with you. Because Jesus, remember, His ministry was about coming. uh, The Spirit of the Lord was upon Him to proclaim good news. I don't know what happened with Brenda, but something happened in her spirit, in her heart, and God sort of pushed something into her spirit, and she got free. Now, that's a supernatural thing. None of us can do that. But God is doing that in our, in our lives. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, turn there. We're going to look at a couple of texts in Matthew 18, and then we'll sort of land this plane here. Um, verse 7 of Matthew 18 says, uh, Woe to the world, because offenses um, uh, will come. In fact, offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom these offenses come. Now, what offenses are, um, there's been a lot of people write on it and spoken on it, etc. But offenses are just um, um, in, entanglements or enticements to sin. Now, Jesus said, folks, Christians, beloved, my people whom I am setting free, offenses and enticements to sin are going to happen. Just going to happen. Um, the question isn't whether they'll happen. The question is how to deal with them. Uh, so uh, we, don't, um, uh, we don't, don't pick offenses up. You see, the way the heart sometimes gets cluttered is that enticements to sin happen and I get enticed into it. Uh, Certain times, at other times, I get um, hurt by other people and I can then choose to pick up the offense or not. What did I just say? I can choose to pick up the offense and hold it, or I can choose not to. Now, it takes God to cause a person not to pick up the offense. It's the grace of God at work in our hearts. Now, offenses are going to happen, enticements to sin, but what are the person through whom they come? Now, let's go to uh, the same chapter and look at verse 23. And there are sort of three movements in this. Uh, Jesus was talking to Peter. And remember, Peter, um, Jesus said, who was talking on forgiveness, and um, Peter chimed in and he said, How often, Lord, shall I sin against, or my brother sin against me, and I forgive him seven times? Don't you think it's kind of funny? 
that kind of the, 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 the most interesting of the disciples is the one who chimes up and said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times. He was probably the disciple that, that hurt more of the other disciples than any of them. And yet he says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? He said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Why? Now, this is what we're going to look at, verse 23. Jesus tells them a parable about what the kingdom is like. And you're familiar with that, so I'm going to breeze through this quickly. Therefore, verse 23 of Matthew 18, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now that's the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me, Jesus said, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Here's the good news. Right there in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. God has settled your account by virtue of the death of Jesus on a cross. You are no longer held in the bondage of guilt and shame and all of those other things because Jesus paid it all. Remember that song? Oh, to him I owe. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. A king came in the person of Jesus and settled accounts with us. That's verse 23. Now, and when he... Uh, uh, had begun to settle accounts. One was brought to him who owed him an unimaginably, unimaginably huge sum of money. And as he was not able to pay it back, he, uh, he, he, had his, uh, he commanded that his um, wife and his children and all that uh, be sold and the payment would be made. But the servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience on me and I'll pay you back. And verse 27 says, Then the master of the servant, that's the king, um, was moved with compassion, and he released him and forgave him for, for, for all the debt. Anybody see the connection there? That's us. We have been forgiven the massive debt that we could not pay. Jesus paid it all by his sacrifice on a cross and sets us free. Verse 27, or 26, 27, Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him everything. That is the gospel of the kingdom. Now, as we go on, we see that, but the servant went out, the servant who was forgiven the huge amount. I, I know you know this, but we need to be reminded of it because we're human and we forget. It takes about three days, I'm told, and we forget. Verse 28 says, but then the servant went out and he found a fellow servant who owed him, well, let's just call it 10 bucks compared to the unimaginably huge sum of money and he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying pay me what you owe verse 29 so the fellow servant fell down at his feet and did the very same thing he did begged him saying have patience with me and i'll pay you all verse 30 but he would not but he went out and threw him in prison until he should pay the full debt now that's the second act so the first movement of this is that, is that the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God is like a king who settled accounts with us. And when we couldn't pay, Jesus abruptly forgave us everything by virtue of his own death on the cross. But then we go out like the servant, we find somebody who has offended us. Remember, offenses are sure to come. Oh, trust me, brothers and sisters, if you've not been offended this week, Wait till next week. Or maybe tonight. 
You see, offenses are sure to come. So, uh, so verse um, 29 says, but he, or 30, but he would not, and he went out and he threw the guy in prison. Verse 31, so this is the third act. The third act, the first act is he was forgiven. The second act or the phase is that he found somebody that owed him a little bit and wouldn't forgive him and had him thrown in prison. And now we come to the third sort of movement in the story. Verse 31, and when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved and they came and uh, told their master all that had been done. Verse 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all of that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Now, verse 34 is what I want to focus on as we end here. And it says this. And his master was angry and delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due to to him. Now, how in the world do we interpret that? I believe that the tormentors, I believe that when we don't fully receive our gift of righteousness because of the blood of Jesus, when we hold on to places in our life presuming the blood is not enough to cover that, uh, we, we must see God for who He is, the righteous King who's made a choice to set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, when we don't forgive, uh, Isaiah 61, we just read it earlier, said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's me. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me. Now, who is me? Oh, that's Pastor Steve. No, 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 that's the church. You see, that's you. That is us. God, the Spirit, Jesus said this has been fulfilled today in your hearing. And now the mandate of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus is upon you. Hello? So therefore, that this, this, um, these tormentors... Uh, uh, let me go back. The, the, God has, been, has sent us, Jesus in us, to be His hands and His feet... To declare good news to people. You say, what is my reason for existence? What is my raison d'etre? Why why am I alive on planet earth? It's to understand the glorious one who has absolutely freed us from our sin. And to turn around and tell other people about it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Me, everybody say me. Me, that's you, us, to preach good news to the poor. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent us to liberate the captives and to release those who are in prison. Now, Isaiah 61, what is this, these tormentors? I believe that, that tormentors can be our pain and our hurt and those places of wounding in our lives, they're the tormentors that drive us to the cross to receive the full forgiveness that is already ours in Jesus. Do y'all hear what I just said? If you are therefore today in a place of pain, I'm not talking about a hip hurting or a knee hurting like I have. I'm talking about if there's an interpersonal, let's say, 
altercation between you and another person. If there isn't, wait, it'll probably happen tomorrow. Uh, if there is a place of circumstantial um, discomfort that you just can't fix, that God allows the pain in our life, He allows the hurt in our life, the brokenness in our life as tormentors to drive us uh, uh, to recognize that God set us free. In other words, forgiveness puts us out of the prison. You see, the prisoners, therefore, that Jesus came to liberate from their prison, prisoners are people uh, who, whom the judge sends to prison. Prisoners are those people that the judge says, sorry, Jack, you're spending some time in the slammer. Now, prisoners, therefore, are people um, who, whom the judge sends to prison, uh, people who open the door to their life, prisoners are people who open the doors to their life by either sin or the sins of other people wounding them. And because of that sin, either mine or someone else's toward me, I can become imprisoned to that. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 18. So the prisoners are those who sin or have issues of unforgiveness in their heart. And in order to get out of prison, you have to forgive those who hurt them. Therefore, the kingdom of God is like. You see, for God to call off the tormentors, the cross is the only place where that can happen. You see, we can, we can, we can try to fix it ourselves and get into vengeance and all kinds of things. And none of us do that in ways that are, that are obvious. But when we walk in pain and hold on to hurt when God has already settled accounts with us, it may be because we're simply holding on to hurt or sin that we're unwilling to let go and give to the king. That's what the grace of God is all about. God has come in Jesus to release us uh, from our prison, and, as, and repentance is when we turn from our self-orientation, and turn to Him who paid it all. That sets us free from our prison. Now, the second thing is that Jesus came to liberate the captives. What are captives? Captives are people who were captured in battle and held prisoners of war. They're, they're different. Captives are those people uh, that are bound by lies that they have believed. Uh, lies from the enemy that aren't true and they're not real, but they create a virtual reality. Now, did you hear what I just said? Prisoners are those who, because of their sin or their unforgiveness, are held in prison, and captives are people who are already free, but they've begun to believe a lie. I have a little white West Highland Terrier dog. He's the cutest little fuzzy thing. And uh, we have put an invisible wire around the circumference of our yard and put in an invisible fence. And all that is is a radio transmitter, and on his collar is a little radio receiver. Y'all know what I'm talking about, invisible fence. And every time he goes toward uh, the perimeter, it begins to first rattle and buzz a little bit. And uh, he knows that if he goes much further, it'll get him, and he jumps back in the yard. Now, by and by, he has understood where these boundaries are, and uh, he has uh, been, if you will, incarcerated or imprisoned in a certain boundary. Now, 
We've learned, and he's learned, because he's learned, we've learned, that we can take his collar off and he stays in the yard. You know what I'm saying? He'll run right out there and he'll stop, even though his collar's not on. You see, even though he's free, he is constricted by his beliefs that he's going to get shocked. You see, captive people are people that have been set free from their prison, but they still believe the lies that pervert their view of God and pervert their view of themselves and pervert or, or create an alter, an alter, a virtual or alternative reality about who God is and what his mission is in the world, and we, just, we, we stay in our prison. We are captive to wrong beliefs. We are captive to lies that we have believed. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to both set the prisoner free from real sin and real pain and real hurt, and he's come free to, he has come to set us free and liberate us from our captivity of, well, uh, stinking thinking. You know that word? Stinking thinking? That means you believe certain lies, and those lies are keeping you boxed in. Now, the Spirit of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God has turned us loose as His people, in whom He now lives. And in the midst of His living temple, we are people who are set free from, our, from the bondage of the prison... And we are becoming set free from our captivity to wrong thinking and wrong beliefs. That's the royal shift that's on the front of your bulletin. God's shifting something in our nation right now, in the church right now, so people are beginning to get it. What? That they're free. They're free from their sin. They're free from all of those things. God's already done enough for you. He has saved you from the uttermost or the guttermost if you prefer. God's done it all, and he sets his people free. Now, some of us now can still be like the little dog with the collar off, but we still think we're in bondage. And that's what I think God wants to continue to set us free from. He sets the church free, not just from their prison, but from their captivity. Because in Jesus, he has come to announce the year of the Lord's favor. That's a good thing. Jesus has done it all. Now, I think that's really all I want to share. Let me share, I guess, one, one final thing. Leaving the prison behind, God's calling his people to come into the palace. The big house. You know, the servant and the, the son. He's calling us as royalty to focus on um, who we are. To forgive those who have hurt us. To reject the lies of the enemy, to embrace the truth, and to walk, begin to walk in wholeness, even when it doesn't seem logical. My lies seem absolutely logical and rational to me. Do you understand that? You are in that. We, we have these lies that we have embraced about God, and lies we've embraced about ourselves, and lies we've embraced about the church. And you know there's all kinds of captive people right now that are out there because they have believed lies and they're in captivity. The church people will always hurt them. That's a lie. No, no offenses are sure to come, but you don't have to pick them up. You can lay them down. 
you can let God free you from all of that. Now, Celebrate Recovery is specifically geared toward helping people uh, be set free from their prison and from their captivity. Every ministry in the church ought to be about that. Now, if you're sitting here saying, I don't know what my reason for existing is. I don't know, what am I about? Well, read Isaiah 61.1 or Luke 4.18 and 19. That is your task. To be those on whom and in whom the Spirit of God lives and now begin to speak good news to the people around you. Uh, set at liberty those who are captive and begin to help other people get free out of their prison. That's the ministry of Jesus, and Jesus hadn't changed his ministry. If Jesus is in you, that's what he's still about. Someone has said that the Holy Spirit is locked inside the hearts of unbelieving believers. He wants to get out. The question is, will you let him do his work in you so that he can begin to get out? Let's stand and we'll be uh, dismissed. I just want to pray for us here for a minute. Um, would you say with me what Jesus said about himself? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let's say that together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, that, that may be revelation to some of you. Or you know it here, but it's not, you know. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has sent me to share good news. There are people all around you in your lives, in your families that need good news. And the good news is that God has already set them free from their prison and you can help birth them into that reality. And he set them free from their captivity because this is the year of Jubilee. Let's pray for just a minute. Father, thank you for giving us a time to consider your word. Father, I want to pray for each one of us who are here today. God, that your word says that we should be careful how we hear. Not so much what we hear, but how we hear because and be careful how we see uh, because it's in our seeing God that our eye is made clear in fact you said if our eye is clear our whole body will be full of light but if our eye is clouded or darkened by the lenses of our captivity we won't be able to see and we'll be filled with with darkness Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would continue to set us free from either the prisons of sin and unforgiveness or the captivity of unbelief or wrong belief. God, thank you that the gospel is still the good news, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Lord, bless your people. I'm going to ask some of our ministry team and elders, maybe their wives as well, to come. And we want to pray for any of you that would like special prayer this morning. Now may the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit, the grace of Jesus, 
be upon all of God's people today. Thank you, God, that we are people who are free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Slip out if you'd like special prayer. If you want to uh, worship here, just we're going to hang for a minute. We'd love to pray with you. Hug on somebody as you leave this morning.